0: I'm going to open with a pretty simple question. Uh, has anyone here ever sinned? A couple of you. Okay, all right. Uh, I'd like to tell you uh, the worst sin I ever committed. Um, got you at the edge of your seat, don't I? Here's the worst sin I've ever committed. It's, it's a little bit of a story, and you have to bear with me, and there's a lot, there's a lot to it. Um, but I'm just going to fully disclose my darkest sin. Thanks, Corey. Thanks for permission. Uh, I was six or seven years old, and we were with—I uh, was with my parents. We went into the Hallmark store. There's no worse place for a child than like Hallmark or Joanne Fabrics. Like, it's where time stands still. Uh, but uh, I was bored and enamored with something, and we were getting finally ready to check out, and there was on the countertop. Uh, a, a container filled with fingernail clippers. And it said for sale, you know, $2. And I reach into the fingernail clipper container. I pull it out and I put it in my pocket. I stole the fingernail clippers. We went uh, then from the story, we went over to Premiere Video. That was uh, before the Days of Family Video. This was premiere video. I mean, it was the best thing to go to in Calcasco. So we went from, you know, um, purgatory in the Hallmark store to uh, to, the wonderful premiere video. If Tim were here, do you remember premiere video? Yes. All right. You guys, yes. A lot of time at premiere video. I'm not making this up, folks. I know it's so bad. You're thinking he's making this up. But no, it's, it's true. And I started playing with fingernail clippers. And my mom says to me, Jordan, where did you get those? And I said, oh, I brought them from home. So now I stole, and then I also lied to my mother. And so, and really, in lying to my mother, I actually pulled off two sins at one time. I lied, which is forbidden, but then I also dishonored my parents. So this is what I'm saying. I mean, this is pretty bad stuff already. I've stolen. I've lied. I've dishonored my parents. A a year goes by. Well, so I start feeling the guilt. You know when you do something really bad, the guilt was just getting to be too much. So I took the fingernail clippers and I hid them in my dad's truck. I was like, I'm just going to hide my sin so that no one ever knows about it. I lived with the shame and guilt of this for a year. And I finally, I confessed to my mother. I said, Mom, you know, a year ago I lied to you. And she said, oh my, not my special boy. <laughs> and word for word, verbatim. I'm sure she's watching and she can, she can tune in and say yes, that's true. And uh, So I said, Mom, I lied to you and I stole the fingernail clippers And uh, my mom, she totally forgot. Like, it meant nothing to her. Like, she completely forgot. She was like, what fingernail clippers? She had no clue. But I told her all about it. And so she drugged me into the Hallmark store. And Sue Cornell, the owner, was behind the counter. And she said, this boy stole from you. And he owes you some money, and I had to pay my couple of dollars uh, in into sue, and she was just kind of like, okay. And, and I think what hurt the most was that I was no longer my mom's special boy. I was this boy. She completely disowned me. <laughs> like, she didn't want anything to do with me, this shameful child. And, and as I think about and as I wrestle through uh, the sort of text that we're going to look at today, um, yes, that's the worst sin that I'm... Probably the only sin I'm ever going to share with you from the pulpit. It's uh, socially acceptable to be a lying, cheating, stealing six- and seven-year-old. Uh, but uh, uh, if I were to keep up that behavior, you probably would frown upon it. So I'll try to refrain from stealing fingernail clippers. I'll do my best. Uh, but was, when I think about our culture, when I think about everything that's going on around us, how much does sin impact our world? Here's a perhaps a trivial thing. But how many times each day is a parent lied to? How many times is a store owner counting in their sort of over and under profit and loss? They are taking into consideration that they are going to lose considerable amounts of their uh, property and their possessions to people stealing. And so our entire world is impacted by what seems like a trivial thing to a six and seven year old. And in our perspective, we say, "Ah, what's the big deal? But there's trust that's broken. There's hardships that come. And if that's the impact that happens from something so trivial as that, what are the effects of the sins that go around around us every day that are impacting families and marriages, that are impacting children within our school? I spend time with uh, kids uh, throughout the week, and Wendy and I are able to interact with a lot of kids. And I'll tell you, it's, it is overwhelming overwhelming the amount of suffering that children are going through, children whose parents are incarcerated, children whose parents have nothing good to say about them, children uh, who are broken and hurting on the inside, and it just feels like the weight of sin is impossible to overcome. I was sharing with Avis this morning, just this morning, just talking about how broken the system is to get the people the help that they need But the system is so broken, and I've been so discouraged by just how broken everything is that it feels like, what on earth can I do? Uh, This morning, your Sunday school lesson, uh, across the board, was about David and Goliath. Now, we all know the David and Goliath story. Renee's shaking her head at me like I did the wrong lesson. Well, some of you learned about David and Goliath this morning. (laughs) Maybe I'm wrong. I taught my kids about David and Goliath. What did you do today? Uh, where's, Kevin's not here. Rich, what did you teach? He talked about David but not Goliath. Well, anywho, I was wrong. And some of us uh, talked about David and Goliath, and we're familiar with that story. Um, I think you're seeing my deficiencies in administrative skills. As if it wasn't already apparent. But in uh, uh, the story of David and Goliath, we commonly hear the story of David and Goliath. We hear it all around in our culture. And the way that it is told is, is that, you know, this is a real David and Goliath situation. You know, like anybody, because they're really not very good this year, is Notre Dame. Anyone they face, they'll be David, and everyone else will be Goliath, no matter really who they go against. I'm sorry, guys. It's just reality. It's time you embrace it. Um, that was just me, and I lost three-quarters of my audience. Um, there's always time that you can throw that at the lions, so we're in, we're in good company. Take it with the humor it was intended. You know, See yourselves out if you can't. So. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. That's terrible. David and Goliath is this insurmountable circumstance. And the way we talk about it is that if David would just... Uh, the way we talk about it is those people who are David those teams, those individuals, those who are weaker, if they would just muster up the courage, if they would just muster up the strength, if they would just work together as a team, then, then they would overcome. Then they would conquer the mighty Goliath and whatever that giant is in their life. And that's how we've taken it as a culture, that story. But that's the, not the point of the story. The point of the story is, is that David was one who trusted in the strength of God trusted that God could go against an enemy that was strong enough or that God could go up against any foe any enemy and be stronger than any foe he might face and so David knows this about the character and power of God that whatever circumstance he might face he knows that God is greater And there are times in my life where I feel as though I am too discouraged at the face of the sin and the brokenness of the world that I feel like there is nothing that I can do, but all I do is give effort and effort and more effort to try and conquer something that is far bigger than me. And our story today is the story of what it means to have faith in God to conquer the greatest enemy that has ever existed to conquer the greatest foe. And the question is, will we have David-like faith that trusts that God is strong enough? Will we have David-like faith that says, though I am weak, my God is strong and I trust in Him? And so our story today begins in Romans 3, where Paul says uh, to all of us and to his listeners, he says, the world is filled with sin. It is filled with brokenness and suffering. It is filled with all sorts of evil. And he draws from the Psalms and Ecclesiastes and and, uh, bits of Isaiah to say in uh, Romans 3, verse 9, what shall we conclude then? Do we have any advantage? And he's referring back to the Jewish and Gentile relationships. And he's saying we're all in a sticky situation. Not at all, for we have already made the charge that Jews and Gentiles alike, every one of us, are all under the power of sin. Everyone has sinned. Everyone has stolen nail clippers at one point in their life. I know, you can admit it later. But there is no one who is righteous, not even one. There's no one who understands. There's no one who seeks God. All have turned away. They have together become worthless. There is no one who does good, not even one. Their throats are open graves. Their tongues practice deceit. The poison of vipers is on their lips. Their mouths are full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Ruin and misery marked their way. And the way of peace... The way of peace... That's what we have all been looking for, and the uneasiness that we have, and the struggles of this life. We are looking for peace. We are looking for justice. We are looking for reconciliation. We are looking for healing. And it says, The way of peace they do not know. There is no fear of God before their eyes. There is no peace. There is no justice. There is only suffering. Wow, let's leave it right there, right? Let me go head home. We are broken. We are broken. And every single one of us have made decisions that we wish we could go back on. Every one of us have said things that we could just go back in time and say, man, I really wish I never would have said that. I really wish I wouldn't would not have done that, and there are things in our life that we are condemned for. Things that have hurt others, hurt relationships, hurt families, have divided us, harmed us. Every one of us is broken. And the situation is bad. <laughs> it's, it, we, we have dug ourselves a hole too deep to get ourselves out of. Every one of us is broken. But when we jump down, I want you to hear the good news today. Good news that not only are you broken, I hope you would hear this word today. I hope that you would receive this word and you would live it. And here it is. You are blessed. Let me tell you how you're blessed. Rather, let Paul tell you. But now, apart from the law, in verse 21, the righteousness of God has been made known, to which the law and the prophets testify This righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There is no difference between Jew and Gentile. For all have sinned, all fall short of the glory of God. And all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Jesus Christ. Let's read it again. All of us have sinned. All fall short of the glory of God. Yet you are justified freely by the grace, by this gift, by the kindness of God. Through the redemption that came by Jesus Christ. Christ has set us free. He set us free from sin. He set us free from death. He has forgiven you your sins. God, in verse 25, presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement through the shedding of his blood to be received by faith. He did this to demonstrate his righteousness because in his forbearance he had left the sins committed beforehand unpunished. He did it to demonstrate his righteousness at the present time so as to be just and the one who justifies who have faith in Jesus. God presented Christ as a sacrifice for atonement. Is Christ who pours out his life for us that we would be forgiven of our sins. David slaying Goliath, Jesus slaying death and sin. Jesus has conquered the greatest enemy there is. And this is a gift to you. It is a blessing to you that you are forgiven. And we can look at all of our brokenness and every single one of us have dug a hole that we ourselves cannot pull ourselves out of. But what Christ has done is reach down to you and say, I give you my life. I am reaching out to you. I have blessed you. I am caring for you. And so the story of Jesus Christ is to reach into this world and say, I forgive you. I lay down my life for you. Jesus' atoning sacrifice for our sins gives us a righteousness that we otherwise cannot achieve on our own. None of us are righteous. Christ is righteous, and it's his righteousness in us that we rest in and find comfort in. It is the righteousness of Christ poured out for us that we can accept and have life in him. Jesus demonstrates what is good and just and kind. He offers peace in a world where there is no peace. He offers justice in a world where there is no justice. God is righting the wrongs of the world, and he's starting in Jesus Christ. Him taking punishment, him taking the shame, him taking the suffering of death. Jesus gives us life. And so when I look at Romans 3, I am painfully aware of my brokenness, and I am greatly encouraged in the free gift of life that comes in Jesus Christ. You are blessed. Blessed that your sins are no longer held against you. If you jump over to verse four, uh, chapter 4, verse 7. Paul is just trying to lay this all out for us, and he's saying simply this Blessed are those whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the one whose sin the Lord will never count against them. Friends, maybe you sinned this week. Maybe you screwed up really bad. Maybe you've messed up in your past. And you think, there is no hope for me. I want you to read verse 4 and 7 and 8 again. And I want you to draw out of that this simple, important truth. You are blessed by Jesus Christ. You are forgiven in him, and he's not holding his sins, uh, the sins against you any longer. And if Jesus isn't holding those sins against you, then maybe we need to start experiencing the forgiveness of Jesus Christ in our life. Are you carrying guilt and shame and suffering and grief and sorrow in your life that you need to lay at the feet of Jesus Christ? If you trust this, if you trust in Jesus if you believe that Jesus Christ has risen from the dead and he is your Lord and Savior, there is forgiveness in Christ. And this is a gift from God for you. You are blessed to be forgiven. You are forgiven and you are blessed. We are blessed by Jesus. This is from Jesus. It's for Jesus. It's in Jesus. God has done great things through him to redeem and save you. Are you hearing God say, I forgive you today? Because that's what this letter is. In a world where sin separates us and fills us with shame and gives gives us the sense that there is nowhere we can possibly belong. We feel ostracized and filled with shame. We are just like Adam and Eve who are hiding from God's presence, hiding from him, and we feel ostracized from the world, and we feel like there is no place for us to belong. And I think Paul is saying to us that we are called by God to belong to Jesus Christ, and we belong because he forgives, because he died, because he gives us his righteousness, because he gives us his peace and his justice, because Jesus is faithful to the task. Jesus is faithful so you can be faithful. Jesus is merciful so you might know his mercy. Jesus is love so that you might know his love. His faithfulness is yours today if you choose him. You are blessed if you accept the blessing. And if you would jump over to verse 25 with me. He was delivered over to death for our, sin, uh, for our sins. And he was raised to life for our justification. He died for our sins. He's raised to life so that we might be made right before God, that we might know justice, we might know peace, that we might embrace the blessings of God. You are blessed. You are blessed by Jesus Christ and you belong to God. You may not have woke up thinking that this is what you needed to hear. But it's everything we need to hear. None of you were perfect this week, none of you got it all right. But at the heart of all of this is the grace of a God who loves you so much that he gave his son so that you might have eternal life with him, that you might have forgiveness of sins, that you might have peace in this world. That you might have peace today knowing that you are blessed and loved by God. Did you know that you're blessed? Do you live like it? Do you offer that blessing to others? Do you share the hope and salvation of Jesus Christ in this dark world that is filled with suffering, things that we've talked about at the start of this service, of things that are just painful, of a reckless person who thought they would scare someone and rev their engine and plow over a young man and destroy his life? Sin is horrible. Sin is horrible. And it brings nothing but shame and suffering, pain and death. And our God is greater than all of the darkness. He is greater than all of the death. He is greater than all of it. And he says to us, I am giving you life. I am giving you freedom. I am redeeming you. I am saving you. I'm rescuing you. I am reaching out. And it's your decision. Will you be blessed? To have a life in God. To have freedom in Him. Will you choose Jesus? He's given His life for you. He's extending His hands to you. He is freely giving Himself to you. At the end of the day, I just want to hug Jesus. I want to wrap him in my arms and I want to say thank you. Thank you for being the hero. Thank you for being the rescuer. Thank you for being our Lord. Thank you for forgiving. Reach your arms to God today. And whatever the next step is, whether it's you've never made a commitment to Christ to say, I want to give my life to Jesus, make that decision today. If you've never been baptized in Christ, make that decision today to enter into his death, burial, and resurrection and give your life to him whether it's making just next steps in your life and saying, God, I need you today and I am sorry for the sins of my past. I'm sorry for the brokenness that I've contributed to, but let me live a blessed life today knowing that I am forgiven and loved by you. And Let me make strides with you today, choosing you. But every one of us need to make a decision today. Will you live in the blessing of God that says you belong? He is saved, he's rescued, he's giving you his peace, he's giving you his forgiveness. We can have faith because of Jesus' faith. Because Jesus trusted in God to take on the greatest of enemies, and he's victorious over sin and death you know, the special thing about David and Goliath is how did it work for the whole rest of the Israelites, right? Goliath, he comes up and he says, if I defeat you, you all belong to me. But if you win, then we all belong to you. This fight determines who wins for both of us. David, you know, the part that we don't share in Sunday school, he throws a rock, hits him in the head, knocks him out, chops his head off that's good stuff right that seemed a little morbid I'm sorry Jesus Jesus' victory just as David's victory was for all of Israel Jesus' victory is for all of us Satan is defeated sin and death is defeated your life is in Christ, and there is peace, and there is blessing, and there is hope, and there is salvation because Jesus is greater than it all. Father, we love you, and we need you, Lord, more than ever. We need your grace today. We need your mercy. We need your faithfulness, Lord, to stir faith in us, to trust, to walk with you, to know that you are with us. God, we desperately need you. We are foolish to think, Lord, that we can, in our sorrowful, lowly state, think that we can do this on our own. So we praise you today that you've reached into this world through your son, Jesus to rescue us from an enemy that we couldn't rescue ourselves from. Lord, we had the law, we have the knowledge of right and wrong, and we have chosen wrong more often than right. Left to our own God, we are selfish, self-centered people that have pursued nothing of goodness and, uh, and kindness, but have taken for ourselves. Every one of us. but just as the uh, sweeping nature of our sin that has covered the earth for centuries. Lord, may we hear today of your grace, of your faith, of your loving Son. And may we step into the blessing of having our sins forgiven and no longer held against us. God, you are faithful, you are kind, and you are just, and your arms are reaching to us now. May we accept your love, though we are unworthy, we don't deserve your kindness. We are saved by your grace through faith in Jesus Christ. Thank you for Jesus. We praise you now. In Jesus' name, amen. Will you stand in response?